0: This week, we're rewinding back to 2018 to episode 112 with Lee Hall. Lee is a professor and the Wyoming Excellence in Higher Education Endowed Chair in Literacy Education at the University of Wyoming. Jackie and I chatted with Lee about her research into literacy and her passion for improving public education. Jenna and I hope you have a great week and we'll see you soon. I'm Jackie Vitrano from
1: the University of
0: North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And I'm Logan Bishop from Belmont University. You're listening to Higher Ed Social, part of the Connect EDU Network. <music> well, welcome to the show. Is that
2: where I say thank you for having me?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and now it's and now it's a
2: scripted show, line, line. <laughs> I thought like like um, you're gonna have this big welcome to the show and an introduction and.
1: You oh didn't, no, we're not. So we don't
2: plan stop like that. That. No, we are. Man,
0: <laughs>
1: you're giving us way more
0: credit for this show. I think. <laughs> but that was Sorry, an incredibly. That was certainly a unique welcome to the show that we've never had before. I like it. Um, if you're cool, can we can we just keep it in? Let's roll it.
2: Uh, that's fine. Whatever you guys know what you're doing. You're gonna you make the decisions. I'll let you know if there's content that there needs to go. But otherwise just, this is, this is an easy one. You just get to be yourself.
0: So typically we let the guests introduce themselves because they can tell their story better than we can. So yeah. and we didn't email you to ask you for a bio. So if you could please Please introduce
2: yourself. Yeah, so um, you want me to just jump in and, and start talking about myself? Jump on then? in. All right. So, um, okay. I thought about this a little bit. Um, So I, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm going to leave with this. I'm a first-generation college student. And I was first-generation back when first-generation wasn't a thing. Like, nobody gave you a lot of resources. There weren't support groups or mentors or anything it was um you know i came from a family where my parents grew up really really poor um so my father was from grew up in southern rural alabama and started working in the cotton fields when he was five years old like that like he had an outhouse they didn't have electricity like they grew up poor like that um although my mother likes to point out she's um i'm originally from florida and she's originally from Florida. And she likes to point out that her situation was a little bit better because even though she was poor, she had electricity and indoor plumbing. <laughs> so, um, But anyways, they, my parents um, were really smart in the sense that they knew that going to college while at the time when um, I have a younger brother, when my brother and I were growing up, having a college degree wasn't necessarily requ- it wasn't required in the way that it's kind of required and expected in society now, mm-hmm. but they were able to see that this was something that was coming down the pike, and so while they didn't know about anything about what it meant to go to college, um, they just knew that it was important for my brother and I to do that, Um, I actually did very poorly in school growing up. School was really hard for me. It was not a place where I found a a great deal of joy. (laughs) I had a lot of struggles academically, not so much socially, but but academically. Um, And when I graduated high school, I ended up at community college. And then from there, I transferred um, to a four-year university Um, I'm from Tampa, Florida originally. So I went to Hillsborough Community College and then I went to the University University of South Florida um, and decided that I wanted to be a teacher because I wanted to make education better than it had been for me. I wanted wanted to help kids whose school was not a good place for them academically and allow them to have a much better experience. Um, So I, I did that and then, Went on and got went ahead and got a master's degree at at Vanderbilt, and then moved to Houston and taught sixth grade language arts and social studies um, for three years in the A. Leaf School District in Houston, Texas, before going on to get my Ph.D. I got a Ph.D. at Michigan State, and I say all that because I think one of the things about my story and about my journey is that I've been incredibly lucky. Because my parents, while they've been, um, you know, like emotionally and mentally supportive, and they've been able to be fine. They were able to be financially supportive and pay. They were, you know, they paid for my undergraduate degree. They paid for my degree at at Vanderbilt. Um, When I went to get my PhD, that the university paid for that, but they were actually able to give me like a small um, I think they made my car payment for me is what they did because I couldn't I couldn't afford my car payment unless I took out a loan to pay a loan, right? right. <laughs> so, been there. <laughs> so they, they did that for me. Um but everything else along my way in terms of academics and getting to where I'm at now in my career, I was just really fortunate and lucky because I ended up accident, I think sort of accidentally stumbling into good programs. With really good faculty who uh, were really good mentors for me. And so now, what I'm trying to do in in my current position is give that back as much as possible and help people as much as possible um, along the way.
1: That's such a great story. This is like, We talk about, we say this to our guests a lot about how higher ed social is like focused on the people. And I love like having you introduce yourself with your actual, with your story, your full story. Um, But the one thing I would like you to include also is what do you do now? Yeah.
2: What do I do now? Yeah. So um, I am, I'm a professor. um, I'm a professor in the college of education. I'm at the university of Wyoming Never in a million years did I imagine I would end up living in Wyoming, right? Because I'm from
0: Florida. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'll it's a, it's it's easy to remember what your state's shaped like, I guess.
2: Oh, right. It's, yeah, it's, it's it a is. big
0: square. You don't have to worry <laughs> about these weird square. parallelograms or, in Texas, you know, panhandles or, any of these. things. Yeah. It's just a square. Like, what side of the square are you? And there's, and there's no ocean. You don't even have to remember what ocean you're by, right? It's just a
2: <laughs> square and there are mountains. That's it. Um, but um, yeah, so I'm a professor in the College of Education at the University of Wyoming. I actually have. It's so crazy. I have like this really long title. Yeah, and I, don't I just even looked
0: know it up. What it is. Can I say it? I'm sorry. Can, can I say it? Because I looked it up. Know. Yeah, you can say it. It's really long. I don't have it in front of me and I can't remember it. Absolutely. You are the Wyoming Excellence in Higher Education Endowed Chair in Literacy Education.
2: There you go. Isn't that, isn't that
1: long? That, that is long? the most higher ed title we've ever had on this podcast. I'm not going to
0: lie. <laughs> well, you're I our first endowed chair, so congratulations. That is
1: true. I shouldn't mock your title because you obviously have a lot of responsibility with all those words in your title.
2: I, I mock the title. It's okay.
1: <laughs> oh, then, okay. I guess I can too. <laughs>
2: Well, as long as because you don't have title. Like I can't some if you say to me what's your title, I'm like, Hold on a minute, let me go look at my email. And <laughs> let, <can> find... let, <laughs> let me get my business card. Let me open my door and see what it says outside in the hallway. Like well, I don't hey, know. So how... Just do
0: what you do. Just do do what everyone else in higher education does and just acronym acronymize it. <laughs> it could be <laughs> the the Weehee Eckley. The Yeah, that's normal. Probably
2: remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So how would you describe like you know, to someone like me per se, who has never met anyone with that title before. Like, how do you <laughs> describe like your job to the every man?
2: Yeah. Well, so my job, I have to say, and this is my first year in this position. Okay. Because prior to this, I was, um, an assistant and then an associate professor in the school of education at the university of North Carolina in Chapel Hill, right. Where you are now, right, Jackie? Yes, I am. Um, yeah. and so so this is my first year, so I'm I'm sort of getting the lay of the land of it, but um, I I love this job. And so what what I tell people is, you know, this is a job that. Okay, so the the pat answer is I do research in adolescent literacy. I help middle and high school teachers learn how to um, provide really good or better instruction that will help their students be better readers and writers in school. That's like the basic everyday answer that that people can get.
1: Nice, I understand that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so what, I mean, you did kind of
1: describe what type of research you're doing, but like, is there a specific study that you're doing right now? Or are you just kind of overseeing a bunch of different kind of simultaneous studies?
2: Um, no, so so I'm, okay, so this is, the, this is the neat thing, right? Like when I came to Wyoming, um, we, so the answer, the, the short answer is I've got a study going on and here's what it is. Cool. Um, when I came to Wyoming, so we, I, my job, um is housed inside the Literacy Research Center and Clinic. And I'm not the director, I don't run the clinic. Um, there's a there's a separate faculty member that does that. But and he gets calls and emails and whatever all the time about from people around the state that need various, you know, degrees of help from us. And so that's part of my job is working with teachers and administrators around the state. So it's really, it's really quite fun. So they had gotten he'd gotten this call. From a school district that's five hours from here. So I'm in the southeastern corner of Wyoming, and this is headed more um five hours maybe north. Don't don't trust me on this, but (laughs) it's definitely north. (laughs) I think it's northwest, it's on the way towards Jackson Hole. It's like an hour to an hour and a half south-ish of Jackson Hole. Um, so I mean the state's really big.
1: I was gonna say, how Uh, big is Wyoming that you're driving five and a half hours? Wyoming's oh no! Huge.
2: can drive from I. We were in Jackson Hole a couple of weeks ago um, for uh, a comp for a statewide um, English language learners conference, and um, it's six hours from Laramie to Jackson Hole. And then you're, and then right there when you get near Jackson Hole, because um, we carpooled and the guy that was driving said, "Yeah, Idaho is like, I don't know, half an hour or less, <laughs> you know, all that way, kind of a thing." And I was like, "Okay, wow. we're right by Idaho. All right." Um, but I mean, it's huge. Yeah. Six hours from, I think, end to end, like six hours yeah. to get from here to Yellowstone, basically. Wow.
0: Um, Wyoming so anyway, is like so this- twice the size in area as North Carolina, just an FYI.
2: Yeah, but, but here's the thing, Jackie. So, um, if you take all the people in Raleigh, Durham and Chapel Hill, just the people in Raleigh, Durham and Chapel Hill, not the rest of the state, yes. um, there are more people in the triangle than the entire state of wyoming
0: what yeah Yeah. (laughs) that is true
1: that's insane
2: more people live in the city of denver colorado than live in the entire state of wyoming
1: oh my god that's amazing yeah wow i just learned so many cool facts in one like very short (laughs) amount of time wow i'm gonna have to get out to wyoming
2: there's no traffic you'll you'll get where you are you I never did.
1: have you never have a bad commute ever
2: no not really there's really nothing to complain about with that I live a mile from my office wow. like 1.1 miles That's
0: there amazing. are there are more people in Nashville than there are like yeah. four times as many people in Nashville as there are in Wyoming the whole state yeah my God. That's yeah, there's nuts. only five hundred and seventy nine thousand people where there's two million in the uh-huh. Nashville metro area. So there you go.: Yeah,
2: wow. Yeah, there's like 30,000 people in Laramie.
0: That is insane. Yeah, and it, that's it, like a I, town here.
2: Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't get my head around it. It's, it's really like three miles end to end. Like, I walked to the gym today because it was a nice day out. That was like two miles. I just walked. <laughs> I
1: walked because it was in a nice
2: well, day. My I'm county, which is
0: a small county, had 36,000 people in it.
2: Yeah. Wow. Um, okay, so, let me, so anyway, as um, I was
1: gonna say, your research, I'm yeah. just fascinated.
2: <laughs> so, so, so anyway, so there was a middle and a high school. They were five hours from here. And they wanted help, um, you know, Helping their kids learn to read and write in the academic subject areas. Well, actually, read. I don't. I don't know that that they're concerned so much about the writing at the moment. But um, and so we went out there. There were two of us. We went out there, and I think that what they had in mind was that we would come out, you know, three or four times over the course of the school year. Maybe do a workshop. Maybe do some observations of teachers because that's the way that um, professional development with teachers typically has, or historically has gotten done. But we know that that doesn't work. We know that as a teacher if you come and you sit down and you're just you, you know you hear whatever I have to say for a day and you leave, you're, it's probably really not going to make any real change. Um if you even if you're really excited about whatever I share with you when you go back to your classroom and you try it out, there's probably going to be questions that you have. There's probably going to be you know, what do I do next or this didn't go well what do I do and I'm not there so you know how's that really going to help anybody so what what I proposed to them was that we put it online and that we make we figure out what is it that your teachers need to know what is it that they you know how do you want to help your students and what do your teachers need to know in order to be able to deliver the kinds of instruction necessary to help your students um, we came back um we made really short courses i call them micro courses with the idea that teachers can access them online um whenever they want they're geared towards you know the community's needs right what is it what is it that the teachers need to know to help the students um and uh they can finish them in three weeks or less that's the idea they have a private we have a private site that we use where um Teachers go in, they have specific things that they do as part of the courses, they post and share those. The idea ultimately is that it can become a community of educators um, that are talking and sharing their work and giving feedback around very specific focused areas that they're learning. But it also allows us to interact with them. So mm-hmm. you, can, you can you know learn, you can take a course or whatever, learn something in October and go try it out and we can keep talking about it as much as you wanna talk about it. Um, I might see you again in January, but we can be talking about whatever issues you have around this instructional idea that you're trying to implement um, as much as you want. You can get as much feedback as you want on it. So that's what we're working on right now is trying to develop a really nice interactive model of online professional development that's community-based and that's super collaborative.
1: That's so neat. And how long did you say this, or did you say how long this has been around? We just started this in um, September, October. Oh, awesome. Well, we'll have to have you back, you know, for episode, like, you know, maybe 212. We'll go through a couple (laughs) cycles, and we'll hear about how successful it's been.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's going, so. Yeah, I
1: was going to say, how has it,
2: is it too early for me to ask how it's going so far? I think you know we're gonna we're gonna start to expand, right? Because this year, really, we just worked with one middle school, one high school. It's not a large number of people, but it allowed us to start creating content. It allowed us to sort of see where are the kinks in the system, kind of a thing, and to work those out. But what we give them a pre survey and we give them a post survey, and then they um, have different things that they have to do as part of the course, different assignments, if you will. And what I noticed is that in a pre-survey, a lot of people will, you know, in response to asking them questions about what they're going to be learning, they will say, "I don't know," which is fine. Like we told them, if you don't know, that's fine, right? That's mm-hmm. why you're taking this, right? So they'll right. they'll write, "I don't know," um, or they'll write something that'll be, you know, not it'll be incorrect. Um, or they'll write an example or an answer and they'll put a bunch of question marks behind it, right? So not <laughs> super confident in what they're saying.
1: Right. Now,
2: when they when they go into, you know, talk the point where they're talking about their work, um what I found is that a lot of them do need support, right? So again, they're working out ideas, they're working out concepts, they're working out what does this look like in practice? And then when they do the poll survey, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but you Might have a poll survey where there's only like one or two people that really seem to have like a lack of clarity or some confusions or misunderstandings. And I think if we just had an online course and no interaction in the middle, I think we would see a higher number of teachers that just weren't, you know, weren't quite sure about what they had learned. I think it's that part in the middle where we're talking about things and working things out, and it's not about get an A or an F or it's not about getting a grade. It's about, right. we're going to work on this so that, so that it, you learn how to do it. And I think that's what yeah. really matters, so. Yeah,
1: right. that's a great like learning style too. And I think, cause yeah. I've been doing a couple like certifications and like those types of things. And that, yeah. you know, even at the end kind of comes with a quiz. And if I don't pass the quiz, I don't get certified. And so yeah. it's kind of like, I mean, of course, there needs to be some sort of like, did you learn anything? But at the same time, if I were to be in a situation where I could bounce ideas and be like, hey, I generally don't understand this or this is something I want to try, it's a it's a much different environment.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's that's I mean, that's what I think. I think they need a space where they can say, I I try to do this and I don't even know if this is right. And for me to say that's okay, here, you know, here's what, here's a nugget of your idea that works, and let's take that nugget and and blow it up and make it into something that's gonna align yeah. with what we're working on here. Yeah.
1: Is there anything that has surprised you? You said you had some surveys go out. Was there something like a topic or something that like kind of surprised you based on those
2: responses? So there's nothing I, I think. No, I think I think what has surprised me has been um, the fact that, you know, I, I want this. I want them to have an online community that is more than they post something and I give a response. And, you know, of course, initially, there wasn't a lot of information there. So that was fine at first. But then as we started to develop it, I would start to tag people, right? I would say, you know, like, you might post something, and I might say, oh, well, you know what, Jackie? Logan actually has a really great explanation for this. And I I might tag him, knowing that he really does, and -hmm. try to bring him into the conversation, and he just doesn't come into the conversation. i think i think my vision for this started off really big um and i think it was more than teachers were comfortable doing because um what the what i got at first wasn't that they were they weren't uncomfortable with learning the content and they weren't concerned about learning the content they were more concerned about the platforms and how to do it online some of them felt really confident but um some of them expressed that they did not and i think that it's a new way of doing things for them and so we sort of scaled back in terms of thinking about how to build a community. So it's not just somebody posts and I answer, right? <laughs> because that's kind of all it is at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we try to sort of say, let's build up the content. And then as once we sort of get the content piece rolling, then we'll turn our attention to how do we make this more of a community collaborative environment. So really for me, that that's the thing that threw me is that it did not, the community collaboration piece didn't go as well as I would like mm-hmm. um, and I've backed off on that momentarily to get the content built up and then I'm gonna have to turn my attention back to that and sort of figure out what's going on with that and how do we make that better.
1: Right. Right. I've been running into this as a I'm earning my master's completely online and mm-hmm. then like your comment about the community really strikes a chord with me because I definitely miss being in a classroom because I'm taking these courses online. Like I have not really had a lot of opportunity to genuinely meet my my classmates. It's more like we all have to respond to discussion boards once a week. And you know, like it's, it's great. We have some interaction and I recognize some people's names because we've had other classes before, but it definitely feels different. So if you can master the way to build a true community in a classroom type <laughs> setting, only online, I would love to hear it.
2: I, I, I'm trying, um, and I taught online, fully online, this year for the first time. I taught, yeah. both my classes that I taught this year were completely online. At Chapel Hill, we taught hybrid classes, right so they would meet you know like maybe 50 percent online 50 percent right. face to face so because they met face to face i think it, you know i met them they knew each other it made right. these connections so i think that that obviously helped and that has been the community aspect of it in a fully online class and i taught and these were master's classes too um and the programs online so there are students that you know i was not their first online class um you know, that's been a struggle for me um, because that really, you know, they are focused on points. And I understand that, right? They're focused mm-hmm. on getting their grade and I, I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've tried using Flipgrid, right? So that they mm-hmm. can, they all have to introduce themselves. This last semester, I, you know, started working that in more where I at least made it optional. Like if you want, instead of doing something in writing, you could do it on Flipgrid. But And some people did, but most people didn't. Um, and they won't respond to each other unless I make it worth their while or right. make it part of their grade, right? Require it. So it's a, yeah, it's a struggle, yeah. Yeah, I totally get that. Uh, what I would actually like to do, because it's online, I really, I don't know. Jackie, what platform are you guys in for your class? Um, Canvas. Yeah, so we're in Canvas too, and I don't like it. Sorry
1: <laughs> Canvas people. I'm raising my hands in agreement. <laughs>
2: but the thing is, is it's like we're online and like my class this year was adolescent literacy for teachers, like how do you provide instruction that supports adolescent literacy development? Most people that were in the fall class were also in the spring class. There were a couple people that trick that I let come in that weren't in the fall class and that's okay. But it's like it's like a whole new shell. It's like what happened last semester is gone. And I just, I, we just need something more, I think more open and integrative. And part of the reason I think we can't make this as a community is because every semester we're starting over again online in a new shell, you know, with a new mm-hmm. teacher. So. Right.
0: So what drives you? I mean, you've told us all about this awesome work that you're doing and it's and it's great, but like what really made you want to do this?
2: you made me want to be in higher ed
0: well in higher ed but in specifically in what you're doing you know helping helping teachers
2: yeah um so you know like i said school is (laughs) school is a bad place for me um so initially i just wanted to be a teacher and i wanted to be a really good teacher and make school really good for for my students when i went to college I honestly did not know that there were degrees beyond a bachelor's degree. I had no idea. Like, unless you were like a doctor or a lawyer, I understood that. But otherwise, no, I had no idea. And so, you know, at some point I got introduced to this idea of a a master's degree. And I thought, I might really want to be an administrator one day. I might really want to be a principal. That could be a really nice way to, you know, really... You know, work on this idea of making school a better place for kids, particularly kids that have academic real academic needs. Um, I saw the job of principal later on, <laughs> like really saw it, and thought that's that's not for me. But when I when I went to Vanderbilt um, for my master's, I you know then I learned you could get a Ph.D. Right? I didn't know that. Like I I, I straight up did not know that that was an option. And which is interesting because I mean who's teaching my classes, right? Like I, I didn't know that was a job, even though people clearly <laughs> have a job.
0: Yes. <laughs> I, I it's kind of me. meta. I mean teachers teaching yeah. teachers, you know. It's
2: Yeah. Uh... Um but when I was at Vanderbilt, you know, I that really opened up a lot of doors for me. And I was introduced to, you know, doing research and I was introduced to, you know, the idea of writing, you know, writing in a way that's much more academic and rigorous than I than had been, you know, reasonably expected of me at the bachelor's level. And I was pretty good at it and I really liked it. And when I was working in Houston, I actually each summer um, I would have a goal. I would have something about my teaching that I would want to improve. Like um, I was not initially very good at teaching writing to my students. And so at the end of the first year, I I, I recognized this. And I decided that in my second year as a teacher, I was going to work on that. And so what did I do? I went to the University of Houston. I got in their library because I learned these skills at Vanderbilt. I did a, I pulled up all the research that I could. And then I came up with a plan for how I was going to make writing instruction better, like how I was going to be a better writing teacher and hopefully how that would help my students the following year. And so I started to think that, you know, I'm, I kind of like this and I might be okay at it. And I think this could be like a really, like a really fun job to have and one that could end up making a bigger impact than maybe I could have ever imagined, imagined, you know, when I was thinking about my career back when I was, you know, 18, 20 years old, so.
0: That's awesome. I mean, we have, um, our school's a teaching university, um, mm-hmm. uh, at Belmont and, uh, we have an actual center for, mm-hmm. um, for professors to, you know, kind of work on the art of teaching. Yeah. Right. And like, I think it's open to pretty much all professors and they all kind of come in and, and they try to improve themselves kind of like how you did, which is pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah.
2: And- yeah,
0: I mean, especially that you're doing it. It's just great to see it happening everywhere.
2: I think I think a lot of places have those. You know, try to have those sensors. I think most. Mm-hmm. I think most places do. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, being the 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 marketing guy, I don't ever get to hear about stuff like that at other schools. You know. I'm uh, sure there's like entire conferences, and probably there's a whole professional yep. organization, and <laughs> all yeah, this there kind is. of stuff. <laughs> there's pro- probably a there's probably a higher ed Facebook group like dedicated directly to it, but probably know, yeah, I'm sure. Um, we've as we found uh, on this show, there's there seems to be a niche Facebook group for every everything, <laughs> in basically ed, everything, including wrestling and running and. <laughs> You know, yeah. yep. complaining. There are lots of complaining. Ones. <laughs> um, I don't think that's a specific niche, really. I think a lot, it's everyone. Higher ed complaints. So if it's not there, someone should make it. <laughs> <laughs> you heard
1: it here first.
0: Yeah. Well, that's about all the time we have for the show this week.
1: Wow, that went so fast. Oh my gosh. Yes, it did. You could listen to this like what sixty-five times, and then get maybe halfway across Wyoming.
2: Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. That's bigger
1: by Maybe our goal, Logan, should be the entire population of Wyoming listens to our show. I think that's a measure of, that's like a, a good first goal.
2: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: All right. Well, thanks, Lee. Yeah, we really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, I know. It's super fun. Thank you for having me.
0: Listeners, head down to highered.social and get links to the stuff we talked about today and subscribe to the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps people find us, and it lets us know how you feel about the show. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at HES Podcast. Send us a tweet. We love hearing from you. We love interacting with you. And we love wanting to know if you want to be on the show. Higher Ed Social is produced by the wonderful Emma Haas and is part of the ConnectEDU Network, the first podcast network for higher education. Visit our website, connectedu.network, and subscribe to some awesome shows no matter where you work on campus. Thanks, and have a great week.